getting the whole gang back together. Welcome to Hand of Pod. episode 429 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. You've got used to hearing that bit for the last couple of weeks, but I'm also joined by Andres. Hello, welcome. And Santi. Hi there. What a difference it makes when I actually remember to send the email out and when Dan reminds me. <laughs> when someone me. reminds you, I think that is um, <coughs> in time. So I don't think even I would have been here no. if it was up to Sam. Indeed. Um, yeah, anyway, we have the first round of matches in the... I was about to say Copa de la Liga, but it's not the Copa de la Liga. And I have rearranged my phone home screen and now I can't... Oh, there it is. Couldn't Liga Profesional. The Liga Profesional. Torneo Binance, possibly. Um, it is. Yeah. And you might remember, that was it last week or was it a few weeks ago when one of you pointed out to me, because I can't remember whether it was you or Santi, uh, that they decided not to make the Copa de la Liga, a national championship. That was me. Yes. Um, Last week, I think. So one of the things that has happened during the opening round of matches is that Boca Juniors had a patch on their arm, a gold patch, Hmm? to signify that they were the champions of the the current thing that's just kicked off, which, of course, they're not, (laughs) River Plate are. Um, And apparently, River did this at the start of the Copa de la Liga at the beginning of the year and before that Colón did it about a year ago at the start of the Liga even though that one definitely under no circumstances <laughs> is a league title so it's Colón's fault or River's fault and now Boca have continued it and this just carries on with the complete ridiculousness of are we ever going to get anything coherent uh, in the world of Argentine football the, we all know the answer to that anyway without the patches yes indeed yeah. if, if you haven't if you don't know the answer to that question after 11 and a half years of this podcast then you've not been paying enough attention but uh, apart from that the, this uh, will be a long uh, this time will be until the, the end of October I think and then next year there will be another Copa de la Liga they're sticking uh, with yeah. this format yeah. yeah I think this format makes uh, you know a certain degree of sense if you do just want to accept that we can't have home and away matches. I can't really see why they couldn't cram some in. Um, well, that, I think that's I because of uh, that's because of the sheer yeah the craze, craziness of the number of yeah, teams. Yeah, the league's a couple of teams too big, isn't it? And I always look at the the championship in England and think, well, you know, that's pretty big and they manage it. But of course, nobody in the championship has to bother about European football. So plus they do have playoffs. Like it would be really dumb. And they and they do have twenty four teams instead champion. of twenty eight. Um, I mean, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I mean, in terms of organising the calendar with this number of teams. I don't mind. I just really wish they'd make up their mind what they want to do with regard to handing out the title at the end and what title they're going to have the competition and then stick to it and not change their minds. Um, the results from the first round of matches were Barracas Central 1, Central Cordoba 1, Atletico Tucumán 1, Colón 1, San Lorenzo 1, Independiente 1. Are you starting to spot a pattern yet? Banfield 1, Newell's Old Boys 
two. <gasps> Platense two. Godoy Cruz one. Uh, with was it one goal or two goals from Mauro Sarate? One, the second winner, didn't he? One, yeah. Um, Patronato one, Beles one, Racing two, Huracan nil, Union one, Tigre two, Tacheres two, Sarmiento nil, uh, Estudiantes one, Gimnasia one, Boca two, Arsenal one, Defensa y Justicia nil, River nil, two of the top three. Top scoring teams of the Copa de la Liga, <laughs> producing a goalless draw. Well, but they had the uh, Ryan Romero and Fontana yeah. as strikers. Rosario Central nil, Lanús nil, and Argentinos two, Aldo Civi one. Um, as we record, we're currently 17 minutes into Newell's Old Boys versus San Lorenzo in the first match of the second round, and that is goalless so far. We will of course keep you up to date with it, although. There probably won't be a huge amount of goals. Yeah, and it's not exactly going to be up to the minute, bearing in mind that this isn't going to be going online for at least a few hours, <laughs> uh, if not longer. Um, so, we, the elephant in the room, of course, is what I mentioned last week, which is that we hoped to get Santi on last week. He wasn't able to, because well, I didn't have time to, to Zoom with him while he was in England, unless it was the middle of the night for him. Uh, and he is now here, so we are going to talk about Argentina versus Italy a little bit more, uh, as it was in the stands, later on. But first of all, gents, um, what did you enjoy about the first round of matches in the, the league season? I mean, Not enjoy is a, it's a rather <laughs> difficult uh, word to yeah. describe it. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I did endure uh, the Independiente game. I was going to ask whether you managed to see it, because you've been were you off the plane by that point. Yeah, I, I arrived on Saturday very early. Oh, I thought you were leaving England on Saturday. No, no, no. I left England on Friday. Uh, I went through a, a connection flight and then I arrived on Saturday early, very early on Saturday. So I got to see that game. And um, look, I expected the worst, even even when facing a team like San Lorenzo, who are like in the paint, but much worse <laughs> in everything. Um, I I actually expected Independiente to lose this game because of the new manager bounce. You know, San Lorenzo were um, back with uh, Rubén Darío in Suas manager for the first time in, all, in over twenty years, and it looked like you know some kind of feel good factor could could have uh, had an impact. Uh, it looked like that for 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 a brief moment, but I think that um, at the end of the day, I saw an Independiente team that even if even without like half of the squad because of uh, Eduardo Dominguez um, trying to pressure the Independiente board into, you know, taking some action and trying to close some signings by uh, basically discarding half of the squad, which I don't think is going to be very effective in the long run. Um, I thought the Independiente would be extremely bare-boned and uh, that they wouldn't have a the minimal structure in midfield to to contend and uh, on the other hand I think they were pretty solid in that department and uh, in fact they created lots of chances but I think we've uh, it's uh, it's a pattern that I I talked about earlier uh, in the year and I think about it's a pattern that's been repeated which is that when Independiente show this kind of progress they ultimately fall short uh, in terms of the results because of the fact that they lack real quality in both areas, in both boxes. Mm. The fact that they have they they rely on goals on someone like Leandro Venegas, who once again I think he's not a bad striker, but you can't 
rely entirely on him to score the goals. I think it would be you know great if he if he first if he were something like a like a super sub but not your main striker. And on the other hand, in the paint they are very very poor in central defense, in particular when it comes to Juan uh, Rally, who I certainly think is not the kind of player who should play. Uh, every game under a manager like Dominguez, he was signed specifically to well do the things that a team like Falcionis does, and I think that cost us because they created over 10 chances and could only score once, while San Lorenzo scored the same amount of goals after creating three. So I think it's it's very simple. Independent just don't have the quality. It's very 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 unlikely that they will sign any quality players in this transfer market. And uh, what is more likely, they will keep bleeding out players. They will keep losing players for free, no less. So, well, uh, I guess the business obvious, as usual. I guess the obvious question from you know somebody who I've not put a whole lot of Independiente this year, a lot of our listeners won't have watched any of Independiente mm. or indeed anybody else this year. So, if they're such an ordinary team, why are they going to be losing players on, on free transfers? This is just a financial thing more than anything. I mean, it, it kind of is a financial thing because. Um, the players just don't want to be there, mm. do they? And um, right now they have uh, three midfielders, especially three three players in the same position, like um, Domingo Blanco, who was probably their best player right now in the squad, uh, Carlos Benavides and Andrés Roa, who all had their contracts uh, running out until uh, the, the end of this month. And the independent board just decided that they should wait it out and see whether they can convince them to sign a new contract in this last semester. They're failing miserably because once they reach uh, the, la- the final six months of their contract, they're already you know, looking to go elsewhere, especially to Europe. Hmm. No shit. <laughs> and uh, well, now they are you know, shocked that players like Domingo Blanco don't want to stay and are looking elsewhere for, for you know, anywhere for they can you know, get their salary, salary in, their, in the date they have set to, to get their salary. So, uh, especially since he almost carried... Independiente for the few games yeah. well in the last six months I mean on the other and hand he got a lot of shit exactly. from, from fans and well on the other hand he didn't help himself he did I mean players really do we all know they're a bit I mean so he really did, didn't help himself often. by uh, you know scoring in a game that made uh, no difference in yeah. the Copa Argentina and then uh, you know uh, celebrating by clashing with the fans uh, he really is making himself no favour so there's a lot of uh, there's a, a split between the, between the fans in the sense that some of them are really aggrieved by this loss and some others are like, okay, fuck off. You already, you know, um, clash with our fans and uh, you clearly don't want to be there, so we don't want to see you again. But uh, the thing is, funnily enough, uh, I think in this game, it feels like uh, Lolo Amigas has found something of a... Of a coherent you know structure to the midfield by uh, liberating Lucas Romero to play further upfield and uh, giving him less uh, of a burden with the with the ball on his feet to you know just uh, trying to uh, find spaces deep in deep into his own half which sometimes would be a bit of an issue for Independiente and instead uh, playing someone like uh, Jeronimo Poblet in defensive midfield who is Probably someone more adept and uh, who could, as I said before, free Lucas Romero to play more on field. So, and also, of course, uh, playing Juanito Casares at number ten instead of on the wing, which uh, also proved to be, you know, a pretty good uh, 
idea, but as I said before, I mean, if, if we don't have a striker to convert all of those chances, what's the point? Yeah, it's not exactly a, um, a, a major masterstroke that no one else could have thought of that one, though, is it? Well, yeah. Casares has been at number 10 for most of his career. Number 10. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then it was something that wasn't happening before. So You have just said that the yeah, Independiente will unlikely bring uh, quality players. And I assume that you mean also free players. Because to to invert, in, invest in, in players who are not free means that you have to... Uh, Talk about ten million dollars or eight or five. No, wait, wait, wait. No. That's only that's only river money. <coughs> well, but that's only river that, money. That's yeah. what I wanted to, to say. Look what happened to River, for example. Yeah. They they have money, much more money than the million, but they wanted or they asked for uh, Lopez, Juan Jose Lopez, the Lanús striker. He's now at Palmeiras. Mm. He was linked. Merentiel, I think, never uh, asked for Merentiel, but if he was linked to River, also he went to Palmeiras. Uh, yeah, but that's that's something different because the money and the wages that Brazil yeah, Brazil has um, has the capacity to offer absolutely dwarfs the rest of South America. Also, Miguel so, Borja, the Colombian yeah. who is a junior and he apparently wants to stay there and he earns the same the same sum of money he uh, used to earn when he was at Palmeiras. Huh. So it's really really even for River it's quite. Uh, yeah. Quite hard to, to, to bring players uh, who are uh, at least the manager thinks could, could work in the team. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's one big issue, which is that Independiente are trying to find a striker who's an improvement on Leandro Benegas, whereas River are trying to replace Julio with no Benegas. money. It's, it's a bit uh, yeah. quality. Exactly. But then, yeah, the money thing balances out a bit. Can I? I found on Ole their most recent transfer speculation page which regarding, they do every day regarding the centre forward river are planning to supposedly uh, bring in I can no just a general for each team I can read out some players in the Benyendia supposedly linked mm-hmm. with uh, let's see what Santi thinks of these Ivan Marconi from I mean, Elche I don't think that's ever going to happen is it I mean it's after, just a Bragarnik yeah even after right? even after you know the 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 discussion that also the argument that uh the public argument that Braganica and Eduardo Dominguez had in, in the last couple of days about um, Marconi, I mean, if he's so, if he wanted so bad to come to Inglaterra, <coughs> he would have already come. He would have, uh, you know, uh, absolutely slashed his wages, something that uh, Eduardo Dominguez has said that he's already done when he was at Huracan, even going to the second division to do so. And then Braganic uh, saying that there was no negotiation to be had after what he said. Apparently, they've... Uh, They've made their peace with each other, but I still think that's not going to happen. Shall so, we move to the next one? Yeah. This one you probably you won't like either. Franco Di Santo? Uh, it's not going to happen either. I think no. it's, it's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's playing in Turkey. I mean, yeah. he's really... He's mu- I think he's just whoever could... It's maybe. another Venegas, perhaps. No, but, but he must be only handsomely in Turkey. So. Rodrigo Aliendra of Colón? Yeah, that... I would like that one especially yeah. because uh, I mean it's a player that uh, Eduardo Dominguez not only has worked with before but really likes. Yeah. But uh, and if and it feels like he wants to to come to Independiente, but still, once again, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Emmanuel Golarte, who plays for that's already Puebla. that's already been shot down. That's uh, already been shot down. Independiente had that's made an offer; it was rejected. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, and I think the last three are pretty long shots as well. Um, Santiago Arsemendia. Oh yeah, uh, Paraguayan, Paraguayan yeah. fullback. Uh, he was, I think, he, was, he used to be a starter in the national team as well. He rings a bell, yeah. Gabriel Neves, 
uh, who's playing at Sao Paulo. Yeah, he's, he said publicly uh, like yesterday or today that he, he's not playing at Sao Paulo. Yeah. He wants to go to somewhere where he could. But still, that's still trying to lure a player from Brazilian football and the not amount easy. of money he's urging. He's turning to a team that can barely pay wages. So. Is he Brazilian? No, it's Uruguayan. Oh, okay. he, he was a player who was... Sounds, the surname was yeah. one of Yeah, he was a player yeah, that was linked with Rivers. There's some overlap, isn't yeah. Well, he was a national, he was yeah. so that he could... Uh, of course he was a national, wasn't he? Yes. And then the last one, Ramon Juanchope Avila. Oh, Jesus, no. Jesus Christ. He's a dirty job think, for Independiente. Isn't he going to Banfield, though? Who knows? This is just I, the I think Ole, he was going to Banfield. This is just the Ole rumour page, like. Yeah. And then a whole heap of players oh, yeah. uh, who are supposedly leaving. Yeah. Today's, uh, today's and yesterday's said to Ford link with River for the benefit of those who are not aware of the joke I was making with Dan earlier uh, is Luis Suarez. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, that one. Mm. Um, and then the other one as well. Which, from a PR point of view, I mean, well, obviously, from a just whether or not I like him point of view, I really hope doesn't happen. But at the same time, if it did happen, I oh, think it's such good fun. Probably write off the chances that anybody else would have of winning the league. Uh, with the number of chances River creates. Well, you know that uh, you know that River River have actually oh, been linked with a, the Uruguayan uh, Luis Suarez and also a Colombian Luis Suarez. Oh, really? Was playing for Granada. Oh. The thing is, uh, at one point people thought that River were linked with this Luis Suarez instead of the actual Luis Suarez, and people were mocking River for that. But then it came out that they were linked with both right? of them. Yeah. Oh. So there we go. I mean, if they signed both of them, then that would at least be. Entertainingly confusing for the commentators. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Given the, given the commentators, Luis Suarez, Luis Suarez, people who don't exactly. have the, the same name or look the same all the time um, would be uh, that would be good value. Well, but uh, you you could say that perhaps for superstar or or players that are have, have their their uh, most of their careers in Europe, it's very very difficult to come to Argentina. But Diego Dino apparently will arrive oh, yeah. well as. So, yeah, of course, course. it's a deal, yeah. And those Cavani rumors to Boca are not going away anytime soon as well, so. Um, Should we talk about River now then? Yeah, like I mean, as, as I was that's, saying, a, that's a great the segue. The drag lets away River, from the transfer yeah, market. That's River a great had difficulties segue. with their finishing, which Luis Suarez, the Luis Suarez, would, would probably solve if he were to come, which just, again, for the avoidance of doubt, I don't think is going to happen. It's very unlikely. Um, but it'll be great. But they don't have difficulty with uh, creating chances, and in spite of that, well, more because they have difficulty with their finishing. Uh, because they only had was it two shots on target Oof. Um, against Defensa y Justicia. Uh, Andres, what did you make of it? Well, it's think I can guess. what you're saying. It was difficult for River to score because Brian Romero was there instead of <laughs> Julian Alvarez, uh, who was at the national team playing against. Uh, he didn't uh, play against Italy. He didn't jump into the match, I think, but he did it against uh, Estonia. Did not get in the no. last five minutes or something against no. Italy. I think uh, he did. I'm looking at the wrong person. You were there. Yeah. Sorry? I, th I thought he was a very late start. Yeah, Julian Alvarez. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. normally he did play against uh, Italy, but he almost scored yeah, yeah, from the halfway line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember thinking yeah, he, he almost scored from the halfway line. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes, five minutes were, was uh, there, or ten. Yeah, I yeah, think ten, a, ten a bit minutes, more. Yeah. A bit more, yeah. Uh, ten minutes plus injury time, probably. So, well, as Julian Alvarez almost scores against Italy, Brian Romero. Well, wasn't able to, to score. I think he, well, for, of course, his confidence is not at, at his highest level. Uh, but he, it's like he clears the ball instead of trying to put it into the net. That is something really strange because uh, uh, it happened against Boca in the Copa Argentina 2021 and against Atletico Tucumán in the, in the uh, Copa de la Liga that Boca won, uh, finally won. 
And the other day against Defensive Justice, it was the same. It's like you feel like he clears the ball, really, as a defender. Um, and in the other hand, I must say that it was about Tim Fontana for Defensive Justicia. I think that is yeah. the main reason why the, 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 the match ended nil nil. Uh, because of the poor uh, accuracy of the, of the strikers. Um, River created chances and again had a, a very, very clear one for, uh, through Enzo Fernandez, who is, I think, uh, before Julian Alvarez scored six against Alianza Lima for Copa Libertadores, he was the top goal scorer for River in the year. Mm. So, uh, uh, yes, uh, I mean, uh, it was a. a, a Quite even match with a lot of play, uh, uh, time of play, I think. Highest than in a, the, the normal uh, time of play that we have in Argentine football. Uh, with both teams, uh, perhaps, that w which are similar, pressing quite high and trying to, 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 to attack fast. Uh, in the case of River, specifically, was the ending, the, the, the problems, mm -hmm. uh, uh, as you can, you can say. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the, the thing of trying to bring Suarez or well, Miguel Borja or whatever is that, that Julian Alvarez is about to, to leave uh, and uh, Luis Suarez is, uh, Luis Suarez, uh, Matias Suarez is still, uh, still injured and, yeah. and so the other day it was, there were no strikers in the bench so it's quite, uh, they, they must hurry also uh, as uh, there is a, a, a negotiation between River and Colón for Beltran, uh, Lucas Beltran, who is uh, now at Colón, but they, River wants him to be back, and there is a discussion there because the contract or the the, the agreement for the uh, loan was that he should be at Colón until thirteenth of June. But oh, I forgot he was yes. he's loaned at Colón, isn't he? Yes, he belongs yes. to River. I and Colón doesn't want him to leave. I wasn't going away the whole yes. time. I forgot mm -hmm. he was a River player. <laughs> Colón doesn't want him to leave until that date, and River says, "No, well, no, exactly enough, yeah. The yeah, season has yeah. ended. That's what that's what they signed for. Right? Yeah, that's the concept. Yes. Yeah. And River says, "No, the season has ended. Well, no. Uh, Colón says, "No, but we signed something like uh, we signed that the the, the 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 contract or the loan is until the 13th of June. Well, they are they are discussing, and uh, that's that is the reason why River also uh, this week had only Ryan Romero available as a striker." Mm. Uh, and the other bad news for River is that Juanfer Quintero is still not available. Oh. Isn't going to be available this Sunday either. No, so, not this Saturday, because they play Saturday, sorry. Saturday and... Well, that's something you have to clarify every weekend for River. <laughs> not Matias Suarez and not Quintero. Quintero is training with uh, Paul Pogba, right? I, thought, I think it was uh, seen training with alongside him at one point. Really? I saw yeah. a photo of Pogba wearing a River shirt with Quintero's yeah. name and number on the back. I didn't hear about them training together. Yes, he traveled to Miami where he fa he meet, met with with Pogba and yeah, they trained together. Exactly, and that's why that's uh, when where he he gave Pogba a, a t-shirt that's a. So that's Pogba to River. That's yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what, I'd take, I mean, right? take Pogba coming to River and keep there United. Yeah. It's he's, like that. he's on the point of deciding where he will play, so yes, could be. I mean, I don't even care. He's running down his contract. So. What a five matches. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he will be a good replacement for Enzo Fernandez if he leaves. Hmm. Yeah, well, and, and so this was going to be the thing, right? I mean, listeners, especially the last couple of weeks when you two haven't been here, will have probably got bored of me salivating at the prospect of Enzo Fernandez possibly joining Man United <laughs> just because it was mentioned in one transfer rumor column about <laughs> three months ago. Um, but really, from River's point of view, they need to 
in, in the next couple of months, this, this transfer window coming up, they need to A, find a replacement for Alvarez, and then B, I would think, try and use the money that's going to come in for Alvarez if they can make a profit on that deal, i.e. not spend more than they're getting to replace him, uh, on convincing Fernandez to sign a contract extension or whatever. Like, I think he they, they can't afford to let him go in this in this window as well. I think he, he signed the, the, the extension. Has. Yes, I think it is until 2025 or something like that. For the similar release clause that uh, most of the players at River have, the best players, 20 million or something like that, which is low, or n not low, it's, it's the, I think, good for Europe, for leaving to Europe, then when they go to, they are playing at Europe, of course it is five times the... Yeah, it's, I get, I, it's a decent amount of money for River, and I guess if you try and push it up more than that, if River say, no, let's give you a 30 million clause, then Fernando starts to say, well, the thing is that no one will be out here. Yes. Um, but from the point of view of the clubs who have been linked with him in the last few months, Man United, Man City, uh, I think I've seen Benfica linked, you know, various other massive European clubs. The difference in terms it, of money... Steal. I mean, he'd yes. be such a good buy for that price. The difference in terms of money is that River will earn also 6.5 million dollars only for the con concerts that there will be there in the at the Monumental. As well, Coldplay, as you may ha may know, uh, will have ten concerts at River and also well Guns and Roses, Harry Styles. That will uh, uh, make River earn six point five million. Harry Styles will play. They will put something down to protect the pitch. This yes, time. yes. It but it will be <laughs> after. It will be after the, the 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 Liga finishes. Ah, in the summer. Yeah. No, the end of October, but that one week after the uh -huh. the last round. Uh, so I, I assume River will have uh, will bring players. The, the the thing is that if Gallardo wants Luis Suarez, well, it will be complicated. Mm. Uh, but yes, they, they will have to bring because also Nicolas de la Cruz, I think he will. Uh, there is a promise that if there is an offer, he he they will accept it. And in December, his contract finishes. So until. From this time, I think from the 30th of June, he can negotiate with any team. And yeah, that's yeah. he's going to be a difficult one for them to replace as well in the long term. Well. The thing is that no, there are no no a lot of teams that want him. Uh, it, it is uh, said that Fenerbahce from Tur Turkey and Real Sociedad from Spain. It's mm. that those two teams are. Um, moving on to Boca Juniors. Um, I still can't believe Sebastián Bicha continues to play. I, I shouldn't be surprised because they've already demonstrated on many occasions that they just don't give a shit and aren't going to show any standards and drop him from the team or anything. But he was involved in two goals in about two and a half minutes very early on in the match against Arsenal. Uh, he set one of them up for Agustín Sandes and he scored the second himself, uh, an assist from Ezequiel Ceballos. Mauro Piton pulled one back for Arsenal uh, about 10 minutes or so after that. And, I mean, in terms of goals scored, that was it. But, but that, is the same general, Piton? that is the same Piton that scored a lot of goals for San Lorenzo? Yeah. Uh, no, that's well, his, his brother. That was, that was Bruno Piton. Mauro is the right-sided midfielder yes. as opposed to the left-sided The one who scores fewer goals than his left-back brother. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what was I going to say? I, I thought overall, I thought that this match was a more entertaining one than um, one defensive river, which came right after it. Uh, even though, when you think 2-1 after half an hour, you think, right, we're in for some more goals here. And I think nothing happens really in terms of goal scoring for the next you're, hour. You're, you're, you're going to say, I think that you were going to say that the funnier thing in defensive river 
occurred in outside the pitch. I missed this. Uh, you didn't. You you weren't able to see the the fight between Beca and Sese. Well, fight. Oh yeah. Arden. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, go on. And, and Gachardo. Well, yes, Red it was rough. ridiculous. But uh, the thing is that Beca Sese wanted to make a change, change a player, and but he didn't say it to the fourth referee, and uh, but he thought he he did. So mm. he uh, tried not to uh, Herrera, who was the right back for River, not to. To, was to blocking uh, the throw in, didn't he? Yes, like a volleyball, yes. Uh, blocking the, uh, like a volleyball player. And, uh, as Herrera was about to take a throw in. It's always Herrera. I remember when he got clipped around the ear by Gacharo as well. When, <laughs> yes. In that wig. <laughs> yes, poor Herrera. He gets it, like, you know. So she has to deal with words going around the head all the time, and therefore, if I'm watching a match while she's working, I have to have it on mute because the commentary distracts her. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I didn't really clock what was going on, which is why I forgot about yes. it. But then afterwards, I read, and it's the first time I'd heard about it, that apparently Becca Sese and Gachardo absolutely hate each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I, I won't say hate, but there is like, there was like some... Yeah, there are rumours that the fight actually continued in the dressing room. Yes. There I mean, you, you have to, you know, well, believe at your own will, but... Fabio I think Gachardo's just jealous of that beautiful, beautiful man. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. used to have, he used to have that kind of air. Oh, he just doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Well, after that, Gachardo said the fourth referee, "Whoa, he's crazy!" And that, after that, because he said, "Who are you? Who who did you eat? Did you eat? Or a quién te comiste?" Yeah, I thought uh, that was interesting. Whatever you want. You know, you're, you're talking to somebody who's won far more caps for his country as a player than you are, and mm. has won a lot more stuff as a manager than you have, and you're saying, who are you? Like, I'm not sure that this is this conversation is going quite the right way around. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, Boca Arsenal, solid win for Boca, decent performance. I thought they could have had a third or fourth goal. Well, they'd have had to score the third first, obviously, um, in the second <laughs> half. But I mean, overall, I thought that that was a... You know, the same kind of win that we were all predicting, probably, from Boca at home in their opening match. Um, ah, right, I was wondering, San Lorenzo Independiente was the other match. I was thinking we've only got two big five sides left to mention, but we've only got one big five side to mention. Racing, mm. who've had a bit of a mixed week, because as well as the 2-0 win over Huracan, unfortunately, as Dan reminded me when uh, he let me into the flat to record this, had we recorded 24 hours earlier, as he was almost suggested to me, uh, we'd have had another disaster on our hands, which I'm sure was entertaining for you, listeners, a couple of weeks ago when we were recording while Racing were getting knocked out of the Copa Sudamericana. This one, perhaps even more embarrassing. Knocked out of the Copa Argentina by Agropecuario. Indeed. Um, I don't know whether you want to tell us about both matches or just one of the matches or what. I, I mean, I know what you'd like to do, but unfortunately, Dan, you're going to have to talk about both of them at some point. I didn't watch the Copa Argentina match. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was at um, a ninth birthday party. Yeah. Um, so I was eating pizza and empanadas and watching a robot dance with fluorescent lights, um, <laughs> which was only slightly less painful than, than the game by, by the sounds of it. Uh, so I can't really tell you much about that since I've completely ignored everything related to it in the 24 hours that I, I followed. Can, I can tell you what, so I tuned in just after finishing my evening cardio workout on YouTube um, I quickly flipped the TV on because I'd seen the live score during said workout and wanted to see the last minute or so to see whether Racing were going to go out and then have a good laugh. 
and the game had just finished, so I had the screen graphic up. And from what I remember, Racing took the lead during the first half and then conceded twice in first half stoppage time. Yes, um, that's what I understand. 2-2-1. Two, two, what I will do is link together the two games this week because uh, from what I've heard and what people have been talking about, I believe they're sort of related. Mm-hmm. Um, let's kick off with a glass half full perspective because I'm a, literally a glass half full man. I have <laughs> just over a half glass of... Left. Um, Racing beat Huracan 2-0 uh, They're top of the table again As they were in the general standings When the Copa Liga mm-hmm. finished And went into its playoff phase So that was good um, But there were indications Even in that match That everything wasn't quite right with Racing And I must say Huracan surprised me I don't know about you guys, but Huracan kind of flew under the radar a bit for me in the first half of the year because they didn't do anything really good. I can't really remember. But I don't think they did anything really bad either. Um, so, and I think they were in the opposite group to Racing, mm-hmm. so I didn't catch them much at all. But I was really surprised they came out to kill Racing, like pressing all over the pitch. Um, Really going after him. I think they finished with about five or six yellow cards. They um, they just went for it and they made Racing probably more uncomfortable than than any team has this year. Um, and had a few chances as well. Um, that caught up with them in the end just before half time, I believe, when Cesar Ibanez got a second booking for two pretty clumsy rash tackles. <laughs> Um, and then Racing had another stroke of fortune just after half-time when Tomas Chankalai's free-kick cross, it was a cross, mm. just flew into the net um, over Lucas Javis. If, if Quintero had done it, I'd be trying to convince you all that it was deliberate. I know. <laughs> um, well, I mean, they did say Chankalai's the Argentine Quintero. So. Quintero didn't do it, so no. it was definitely out of that. <laughs> and you thought from there, you know, Racing 1-0 up, uh, the man advantage, plain sailing. He might add another cup, another couple of goals to the scoreline. No, it was fucking horrible to watch because what I can just kept coming and Racing for some reason um, just didn't defend, and they were in a situation where they were just leaving one on ones or even two on ones at the back when you're one nil up against ten men. Hmm. And it was completely inexplicable why this was happening. Um, well, I found to be fair, like uh, a couple of the the uh, young kids in what I kind of really good games. I like. I was very fond of um, Rodrigo Cabral. Yeah, he was an absolute engine. Um, and Cristallo as well really got around the around the pitch. Medosha, um, the captain at the back, uh, really really strong game. So all credit to what I can, but. The signs were there that Racing, uh, much as they did against uh, River of Uruguay in their sort of Anicana, they kind of like they had this winning position, hmm. but unlike probably in the early parts of the past championship, they just weren't consolidating it. They were still pushing forward with seven, eight players as they've done throughout this year, fine, but then they weren't getting back and just leaving massive, massive spaces. Luckily on Saturday. Huracan didn't take advantage, had a couple of decent chances. Uh, Gomez in the Racing Net was 
very solid, didn't let anything past. But it didn't pay off against River when they just needed a nil-nil draw and they would have been absolutely fine. And it seems it didn't pay off against Aguilar or Piquadio because I saw the first goal uh, against Glitzwit in particular, they were just all over the place, right? I've not seen any of the goals. Uh, all I've seen literally was that full time. Yes, it's like right. Russian was winning, but they, but they ended like defending with two, one man or two. Yeah, one yeah. Man or two. that's it. Um, I think a lot of it has to do because uh, of, with uh, Leo Sigali's absence, he was mm. he wasn't there against Huracani, he wasn't there against Agropecuario, and I have a feeling he missed Suramanica in their game as well. I will double check that, but he's very important. Um, to the defensive effort, obviously, but in just in general terms, um, I love what Gago's trying to do. I think Racing play very entertaining football. You know, there's almost always going to be goals. A nil-nil draw is very, very unlikely. Um, but you have to measure it a little bit. Yes, Sigali was indeed um, absent for the River game as well, so that probably explains quite a bit behind the two defeats, but it's not an excuse because uh, both River and Zagreb-Liquadia are very much inferior to Racing, so with just a little bit of common sense and, you know, thinking, look, we're in a winning position. Do we really need to run up the field with eight men and then leave uh, our two yeah. centre-backs to, to take five on the counter? Maybe not. Hmm. Um, so that's just, that's definitely something to work on. And it's a confidence thing as well because when you're on, you know, a three, four game winning streak, these are the kind of things where uh, the opposition ball just runs out of play, or yeah, your man gets back and and makes a telling interception, or your keeper bats away everything. Um, this is how football goes, but just a little bit of a more measured approach would uh, would be useful at times for Racing. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to, to sustain across a twenty-seven game. Championship, which Racing should be going to win now they're out of every other competition. I think they have the quality, they have um, the chance you. to win. I'm going to stop you there because I think we've had a listener's question that you've actually just answered, but you can oh. give us a little bit more detail <laughs> on it uh, when we get to listener's questions. Uh, Copa de la Liga runners-up Tigre. I have to admit, I didn't catch any of their match at all, but I will quickly tell you how it went. Jonathan Alves put Union ahead about 10 minutes into the second half. And Tigre uh, came back with two goals, five minutes apart, from Facundo Colidio in the 65th minute. And then Diego Sosa, who had been on the pitch, it says here, for just under a minute, uh, when he scored the second goal, which was set up by Colidio. Um, so Tigre off to a winning start against... I mean, away to Union is a pretty tough yeah. fixture, unless Union had a real fall-off in form during the Copa. I can't really remember. Um, Can we talk about the so well the genius who put the Clásico Platense on at the same time as an Argentina game? It was two hours before or after, wasn't it? Well, was it? Was a, well, there wasn't an Argentina played at 3pm. They played at 3, yeah. The, the league had a break for the Argentina match, I seem to remember. Did it? Yeah, this was on at like Maybe I just completely forgot about it then. No, um, I, I think this was a one o'clock kickoff off yeah. the La Plata Clásico. Um, oh, it was, an, main, uh, it was uh, the Wales game so yes, I completely missed it. Was, it was the, the The main talking point from that, Agustin Rogel put uh, Estudiantes 1-0 up just before half-time and Cristian Tarragona equalised quite shortly after half-time. And the main talking point was that Rodrigo Rey, uh, the Gimnasia goalkeeper, um, afterwards uh, set off a bit of a Barney 
um, went to pick up his uh, towel and, and get his bottle of water after the match, applauded the Estudiantes fans behind the goal to say, I don't know, I guess, sort of thanks for... Ironically. You know, having me. Or he yeah. insisted in a good sporting manner and then he just sort of tapped his chest and, and, and waved to them and just coincidentally happened to tap the gimnasia badge on his chest and, you know, he claims that this was all supposed to be in good sportsmanship um, and obviously it immediately resulted in uh, a lot of estudiantes... He pretended the estudiantes supporters to understand him that he was in a good sports... Yeah. Um, uh, and then he came out afterwards with some bizarre... I couldn't quite get it. So the, the first thing is that I, I, I watched a few replays of it because the article that I was reading about it had a video of the incident. Mm-hmm. And the referee seems to already be running towards Ray before Ray's even, like, turned around to pick up his towel. So that's a bit strange. I'm not really <laughs> sure what's going on there. Um, to, to show him... He, I think he booked him, right? Rather than sending him off, he just showed him a yellow card after the match had finished, which... Is, Unless he got booked really late in the game. Anyway. Um, but then in the interviews afterwards about what had happened, Ray just started talking about the fact that he has a stammer and finds it difficult to speak in public. And, and that uh, Because he's like... A, he's like... He, it's a straight way that he speaks. Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, on the one hand, well done him for speaking out about it. Lots yeah. of kids who have yeah. stammers are going to, to get something from that. And, you know, absolutely people should people in public positions should feel able to say these things and I'm not saying that everybody if you have a stammer and you're famous then you have to talk about it but whenever you know we, we discuss these things in public we give strength to somebody else especially young people who might have an issue and don't feel able to talk about it on the other hand he was trying to say that this had something to do with the incident or yeah I just that, that's the thing I, I mean like, if, he, if he used yeah, it uh, in a very <laughs> I mean if he used it in a very you know uh, convenient way to open up and uh, mm. show himself vulnerable to talk about his stammer as an excuse or as a justification for yeah. the provocations he, like, he did no, at uh, I would at the never dar- do this in, bats, in, 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 in mala leche like I'd, I'd never do this in bad faith as, as a, as a, in bad faith thank you that's what I was going for uh, I have a stammer. Like, what? What's that? What's that got to do with it? What are you talking about? Um, so anyway, that was the gymnasia. Uh, that was the, the, the summary of, summarize of the match. That was the, that's, that's as much as you get it from me. Um, and I think we'll have a half-time break there. Forty-two minutes we've been going for. Yeah. So here's some music. Don't go away. occurred to me immediately after I stopped recording that first half that I actually uh, we forgot to say well done to Agropecuario Argentino because we were just talking about how hilarious it was that Racing had lost to them uh, and well, Dan was discussing why Racing lost to them but we forgot to say congratulations even so, more hilarious is that the president of Agropecuario is a big supporter of Racing oh the yeah. message on the back of the shirt exactly <laughs> Yeah, so they, he said that he, he didn't celebrate uh, his own team's goals. I, I, I saw the like, photo of the back of the shirt and I didn't realise why that was. So oh, that's yeah. why. <laughs> yes. Exactly. 
I mean, it's like uh, it's like if Independiente were playing against Camioneros and they had a, a, a message that said, uh, "Thank you, Dad, for making me an Independiente fan of the Camioneros shirts." Yeah. They had um, they had a message on the back of their shirt saying, "Gracias, Papa, por hacerme de Racing," which is, well, I mean, something's pretty much given you a translation for that. Uh, <laughs> in fact, in the previous match, I don't know who against they played. Uh, the the president said, "Well, if we win, the prize will be all for you, for the players." Because I want to, to play against Racing, and now they eliminated <laughs> yeah. Racing. I mean, that's a heartwarming tale. Even Dan's got to admit. Yeah. I mean, he can afford it. He's, a, he's one of the richest people in Argentina. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah the, from the Grobo Copa del yes. family. Um, in the other Copa Argentina matches that have taken place this week, um, there were not any shocks. They were both 1-0 wins. Boca beat Ferro. Who scored the goal? That man again. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I looked it up, and as I was looking it up, I realised, yes, of course I know who scored that goal. Uh, you know who scored the goal, the man who shouldn't be playing. Yeah. Bocca's Mason Greenwood, let's say. Bocca's Except, Mason of course, Greenwood. that Whoa. Yeah, some clubs have got a bit of sense. Albeit, some clubs also gave contrast to Cristiano Ronaldo last summer. So, um, And, oh, both 85th minute goals. Huh, look at that. Sebastian Misha yeah. scored against Ferro in the 80... Oh, no, he didn't, in the 78th minute. I've just decided to make a statistic up there, which uh, and Abiel Osorio scored in the 85th minute for Mbele Sarsfield to give them a 1-0 win over Independiente Rivadavia of Mendoza. Um, so, I mean, that's that, basically. The other remaining matches to be played in... Independiente against Atlético Tucumán, I think. Oh, there are absolutely loads of matches to be played in June still. Yeah. Gimnasia versus Racing de Jujuy versus Racing de Córdoba. So Racing aren't quite out of the Copa Argentina yet. Still a chance. Barracas Central versus River in a couple of weeks' time. Argentinos versus Defensa y Justicia. Atlético Tucumán versus Independiente. These are all in the round of 32. Uh, in the round of... 16, I think. Yes. It's a bit confusing. As ever with the Copa Argentina, they're playing two rounds at once. Uh, Belgrano versus Estudiantes is still to be played. And then back to the round of 32, Lanús v. Godoy Cruz, Chaco Forever versus Tacheres. Best team name in, in... One of the best team names in the country. I don't mean Tacheres, I mean Chaco Forever. <laughs> Aldo Civi versus Newells. Patronato versus Colón. Rosario Central versus Quilmes. Banfield versus Union. And again, the last... Uh, in the round of 16... Yeah, the last 16, that's the same thing, isn't it? Uh, Gimnasia versus Flandria. That's Gimnasia de, de la Plata. Or Gimnasia de la Plata, because there's no day in it for some reason. There uh, appear not to be a lot of teams from... Except for Agropecuario and Flandria. Hmm. Team from uh, lower divisions. Well, Gimnasia de Jujuy and Racing de Córdoba, they're also. playing each other, so there aren't yeah. going to be many yeah. lower division teams left after this round, are there, probably? Um, there's, there'll be at least one. Because yes. one of those two teams will go through, but other than that, and so of course because I've well. already through it, as we've discussed at some length already. Uh, anyway, now moving on to things that we can all feel happy about and get behind. <laughs> Argentina, uh, Dan and I discussed last week their evisceration of reigning European champions and World Cup qualifying failures, Italy, uh, in front of a packed crowd, which included Santi. Yeah. Um, at Wembley Sandy and 60,000 other Argentines indeed yeah, uh, and we promised yeah. that we would go into a little bit of detail about what it was like from the stands with Santi now so Santi what was it like from the stands it was your what? first time in England right? it's my first time in Wembley absolutely so I mean you, you can imagine I mean how 
how uh, exciting it was to, to you know be there and see so many Argentine mm. Argentine shirts. I mean the the number uh, down throughout throughout like sixty thousand. I mean there were eighty seven thousand. I mean in the whole stadium. So I think it would be fair to say that sixty thousand could be a pretty you know uh, convincing number because I mean when I was walking through the Olympic Way, which is like this huge aisle that leads to Wembley. Um, you could see about you know an, an Italian shirt, every ten Argentine shirts. It was uh, it was amazing. And you could see also shirts from all kinds of uh, of teams as well, not just uh, first division teams and big teams. Like you could see Central Norte represented from Salta and Doc Sud, uh, Independiente Rivadavia. Uh, it was it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, well, I also got to you know meet with uh, with a few Argentine fans who gathered at. Uh, the King Edward Edward the Seventh Park, which is uh, about fifteen blocks away from Wembley, that's uh, about six hours before kickoff. They decided to. You can't do distance in blocks when you're talking about London, Santiago. Yeah, okay. One point five kilometers. Okay, so <laughs> no, that's what that means either. Yeah, about a, about a mile. Just under a mile. Yeah, about <laughs> a mile a mile away from from the stadium, um, and it was absolutely packed with Argentine Argentine fans by four or five p.m. It we were discussing this on the WhatsApp group. That's incredible. You, you, you said the day after the match, you said you were still hearing Argentine voices while exactly. you were around London. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, it was just. I mean, of course, the, the streets of London was, were, of course, filled with people because of the of the jubilee. Uh, that Thursday was the first day of uh, of those holidays dedicated exclusively for the jubilee, and I could still hear uh, people speaking in an Argentine accent in Spanish. And a couple actually came came to me, you know, when they, when they heard me talk. And uh, yeah, to talk about the game and uh, whether I had been there and uh, yeah, it, it was amazing. Uh, even so, I, even when I was uh, watching the players train the day before, I mean, you know, only a, a handful of uh, Argentine players had played Wembley before, the likes of you know Messi, mm. Emiliano Martinez, Foyth, Docelso, Tamendi. I only realised this after we recorded last week, but yeah. it's the second trophy Emiliano Martinez has won at Wembley because he won the third. Won the Cup, didn't he? The third. He also won the Community Shield. Oh yeah, I don't count that. Yeah, <laughs> this one was much more and, serious. Well, and the second Messi has won at Wembley as well. Yes, thank you for reminding me of that. And uh, yeah, and the second I think Otamendi has won at Wembley also. He won a League Cup. He must have won. Yeah. He won a League Cup with City. Two Carabao Cups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there actually there are, there are a couple Argentines who won things at Wembley, but Messi won three. Away. Did, did Messi win two European Cups at Wembley? Because it no, was held not just a the couple one. of years apart, wasn't it? No, just the one. He two? he won the other one in Rome. Ah, yes, that's right. They they beat United in both finals. Exactly. Both at Wembley. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, but the thing is, with only the, this handful of players having played before, when the when the rest of the Argentina squad came out to train at Wembley, they were all you know looking around, absolutely wowed by the size of it. <laughs> Even players, I I think the one that was like the most, uh, the most enchanted by the team was probably Julian Alvarez for obvious reasons. Yeah, sure. But uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, that's what it was like. It was this huge, huge behemoth of international football, completely packed with Argentines singing. <laughs> Uh, even against England itself, you know, El Kenosaltas in English was ringing all over. So it was absolutely incredible, incredible. And even and even to see that performance afterwards, you know, probably one of the best performances I've seen Messi with the national team ever. Yeah, and it was followed up by 
slightly less impressive, perhaps, given the opposition, um, but a pretty good performance from Messi as well. I mean, Saturday. on an individual yeah. level, there's not a lot of players who score five goals against the same opposition, even if the opposition is still Estonia. The last no. time it had happened for Argentina was 1948. Oh, so yeah. somebody has scored five goals. It was yeah, a few twice. times. Yeah. Twice, it happened twice before, in 1922. I saw a couple of things saying this is the first time an Argentine international has ever scored five goals yeah. in a match. And I remember yeah. thinking, I, I can't remember who it was that I, I, I saw the tweet from, but I just remember thinking, I, I bet it's not. <laughs> because I Actually, know funny enough, the, guy sounds, is, the guy's name is a little bit like Messi. It was Marvesi. Yeah, actually, it's funny because the, both of the times that has it happened is. before, it was against the same opposition. Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Came against Estonia in 1948. Yeah. <laughs> Considering Estonia wasn't even a country. Was it? Oh, yeah, 48. Well, I don't know. Ah, oh, yeah, it was with the USSR, yeah, of course. Um, there it was a constituent republic of the Soviet Union. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. They get out of the national team. Yeah. There were a bunch of um, records that, that Messi beat or attained or he did something or other with uh, during that match. So uh, he overtook Pelé's all time career yeah, that was uh, a long goals time ago. scored in official matches against Estonia. Um, no, no, for internationals. Ah, yeah, for internationals Pelé that was last that. year. But, but he Pelé, did overtake uh, Frank Puskas. Pele finished his career with 767 goals or something like that in official matches, and yeah. Messi now has 769. So his third goal against Estonia drew him level with Pele, and his mm-hmm. fourth took him past him. Mm-hmm. He overtook Ferenc Puskas and is now the fourth highest goal scorer in official matches of all time. And the third uh, active goal scorer. Uh, Third active? Second, yeah, surely. because the, uh, one of the top three is retired. Only, I, I thought, Ronaldo's the, the top one. Yeah. Not Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And, and then there's the other a, two are both retired, aren't they? Uh, no, Ali, Ali, Ali Dae is retired. This is internationals. Yeah. But I'm the, talking about all-time Yeah, I, I think all-time. Uh, no, no, ah, I think I mean internationals. Well, I can't remember who they are. I mean, no, actually, no, I, out, out of all the internationals, he's the, the number fourth of all-time, but since Dae... Immense football. Yeah, immense football, of course. Uh, Tony would be, you know, hitting us with a, with a stick if we if we Salengo let us slip. Was the uh, no from Russia, but he. No, he scored, scored five, five but uh, yeah, yes. I think it's the only one to have scored five in a World Cup. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, we we had this discussion, or we started to have this discussion, or two of you started to have this discussion. I should say before I've woken up. Yeah. Um, on WhatsApp, and it it turned into a different conversation, yeah. which we won't have on this podcast. Uh, maybe another time. It's not a, a non-worthwhile conversation, but uh, it's not for right now. Um, but about how many goals Messi would have scored if Argentina got to play in European qualifiers. And, I mean, it's worth asking because depending, of course, I asked this on Twitter, and my mentions have been unreal. Sure, yeah, ever since. Been I mean, you, you ESPN did. and ESPN Brazil both picked up the tweets. So it was just absolute hell. I'm never going to write. I mean, you did. Messi you did dig again. your own hole, didn't you? I don't know, you know, I usually write shit that gets four <laughs> likes and, you know, uh, yeah, but when, but when you, me, you mess with it. Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo's I didn't goal say about Ronaldo, records. he's talking about Ronaldo. No, that's the thing. Yeah, but, it, so, but you will still get Ronaldo's stats all, all above you, yeah. you know. I'll say two things, Dan. It's a, inevitable. A, you're right to ask it mm. and B that's exactly why I've not gone on football Twitter for years mm. now <laughs> on, on my own account apart from to, to be fair I just muted all the conversations and mm. that um, did a hell of a lot of good <laughs> but yeah I mean it, it's you know an, another 
goal scoring record for Lionel Messi. And apparently, the other thing I read is that I don't know, I don't think that this was a record that he set during the match, um, but he is by a very long way the player who's been involved in more directly involved in inverted commas in more goals than anybody else in the history of football. I.e. Right. goals scored oh, it's, uh, 1100 assists. Uh, goals and assists 1100 goals yeah. plus assists and probably I presume that's not an exact number it might be I mean the thing is you, have, you also have to you know you always have to be very uh, meticulous on what counts as an assist and what yeah, doesn't particularly given that nobody counted anything as an assist before about 2005 or something yeah, like yeah I think uh, yeah um, but presumably they've got a decent amount of statistics for most of the main contenders yeah, M- Messi was pretty lucky to, to emerge at exactly the, the time when assists began to yeah. you know count. Hmm. So yeah, I'd like to see the stats for somebody like Friedenreich or Schindler or something. Maybe not Schindler. He didn't have that long. Yeah, Schindler, well, yeah, you Pushkin. probably have some statistics for him. Pushkin Di Stefano so. must be between them between each and given or, the fact or that even, they you know, Platini yeah, must be setting even. <laughs> pushing that. Platini, yeah, maybe not quite as many goals scored though. I wouldn't have thought no. so. And he did score a lot of goals. At, uh, he's got a lot for a midfielder. But yeah, he did score a lot of goals as a midfielder. He scored like nine at the Euros when he, yeah. when he won. So. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's not one of the all time. I, th- I think you need to be one of the all time leading goal scorers and also set up fuckloads of goals. To, yeah, uh, you're not going to make it up just on May- one maybe, maybe Romario. Otherwise you're relying on other people being good finishers. I mean, he was, a, he was an absolute poacher, but with so much, so many goals, he, had, he must have a, a lot of assists as well if he played for so long and also was around the box for so long as well. So. Maybe he could have a shot at, at Ronaldo, it. Ronaldo, No, Romario. Romario. Oh, right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But again, it's a bit like Cristiano. Yeah, it's a poacher. He, he's not passing it to other people often <laughs> enough. No. Um, he, he played for so long, though, that he must have yeah. racked about you know, 100. Well, th- they did have a, a thing. He's one of the reasons that I looked mm-hmm. up how many Pelé had actually scored, because he did this thing about what... Mm-hmm seven or eight years ago where he said oh I've scored my thousandth goal (laughs) and then in almost the next breath admitted that he actually literally was counting goals that he scored on the playground in school lunch breaks and stuff (laughs) I mean obviously he didn't the thing is uh, the thing with Pelé I mean mean, the records with Pelé is that uh, at one point he straight out decided not to stop playing in the Copa Libertadores with Santos and then he would go on tours with to play against I mean other clubs around the world and those games that's what the games were yeah, exactly. Where he counts them as uh, official for his goals, but not official for you know Comebol and stuff. No, which I is mean, why the records, the RSSS. I, I always forget the S's. I R S S S. Three S's, isn't it? I F F H S. Yeah, that's two different things. Oh, really? And FIFA, but yeah, I mean they all count the goals in official matches, which is the record that Messi's definitely gone past now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it was an enjoyable enough match, I guess. Yeah, didn't learn an awful lot from it. Apart from Argentina, are much better at football than Estonia. I think it kind of shows that um, it's something we kind of we mentioned on the podcast last week in that Argentina are set up at the moment in a way in which it just allows players who wouldn't be in their first choice team, yeah, you know, their very best starting eleven, to come in and play exactly the same. As the very best starting eleven, we saw it. Yeah, because the eleven against Estonia, Again. off the top of my head, it was Messi and De Paul, and, and then the nine other people who wouldn't. Messi, De Paul, and Molina. Yeah, Molina, Molina. But then there's argument if Molina or Montiel is yeah. the first choice. So yeah, I think uh, I think Molina has pretty much uh, tied up that He's got squad it, yeah. for a while. I mean, it's yeah. been the only thing really Fra- 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 Fra
me or Dan could have been in goal, and the only difference it would have made was, was would have been that it would have allowed Estonia to protest after the match and get a three 0 win awarded to them because they're not eligible. To I mean, they, they did get a very possibly some funny videos about us trying to clear it and making an absolute cock up of. Yeah, of I mean, they did get a chance though, and he actually came pretty quick from his line to say. So maybe yeah, they could I can't have, remember. <laughs> you don't remember that one. I don't remember really? Estonia's chance no. No, um, like Montiel, but yeah, I think that's the point for, you know, if that game serves or anything for Argentina, it just confirms this fact that they've got essentially two players for each position and those players can come in or out and the team just keeps running, which is great. With the caveat of the centre-forward position, which as much as I like Julian Alvarez and I thought he did exactly what was expected of him, what was needed of him on yeah. Sunday. I think that second centre forward row is is still up for grabs and I yeah. don't know who could come from I mean it's I, I think the thing with, with Alvarez is as you said was it two weeks ago, he, he's he's hot and cold, at least this year yeah. he's been very hot and cold. He's a streak player, yeah. And in he gets a goal and he'll go on and score ten in I mean they're yeah. all strikers. And, and, and right? stepping up not no, not all strikers. Stepping up to the national strikers. team, and even though it's you know only against Estonia, no, no offence to them, mm. um, but it was his first start for the national team, so it's a very big match. For I him. think it was his second, oh, and the, on the first one, I think he scored against Ecuador. Yes, he played the. Oh, he started yeah. that. Match. He started. Yeah, he scored. I, I knew he'd scored actually. for them, but I thought he'd come off the bench and score. But yeah, you're right, he started. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still quite a big leap for him to make. I, I suspect. Whether he ends up getting loaned out to somebody else mm. by City, they're apparently now thinking about. I mean, uh, I don't think I don't think he's going to get loaned, and I think he's, uh, he's going to improve a lot once he arrives in Europe. Yeah, he's, he's clearly. I think once he's, he starts training, even when, once he's, he starts training against you know <laughs> uh, Premier League uh, opposition, even teammates, mm. I think it's going to be making a huge difference in his physicality and the way he deals with a big. Uh, experienced centre backs, which I think has always been kind of his main weakness when playing for the national team. Uh, but it's curious because I mean Scaloni has been historically averse to calling up or giving chances to players who fit into that kind of mold, more physical, more you know straightforward poachers in the in the in the sense of you know Lucas Salario and Gio Simeone. He's always calling Lena more uh, you know players who would be more willing to you know come come off the of the section of and try to associate with his teammates. So here's a, a question, because I guess my reaction to that is that instinctively I think that if you are going to call up an Alario, for example, not because I have anything against that type of player, but just the Argentines who play in that mould at the moment are kind of a step below. A step down. Alvarez isn't quite the finished product yet, right? We, we rave about him here. He's, a no, he's obviously Absolutely. going to be one of the best centre forwards in the world for most of the next decade. But he's not there yet. But he's not quite there Absolutely, yet. Absolutely, yeah. Giovanni Simone will be uh, another. Yeah, yeah exactly. but it's, I think it's but, definitely not, not being. Uh, but I mean, it's everybody true. else is just kind of just below that level. And like in Alario's case, for instance, he's below that level and he's now at an age where maybe it's not really worth taking a chance on them. But the thing so it, is, it more that Scaloni just doesn't really see anybody in that mould who's worth calling up rather than, oh, he doesn't want to call anybody like that up. And I think if I were in Scaloni's position, I'd like to be able to call on somebody like that. Because it gives you a bit of a plan B. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what I was talking about. From what we've seen of Argentina in the last couple of years, the unlikely situation where they need a plan B, um, because they're a fantastic team, 
by international football. Yeah, but you never know. I think it's. Uh, Allegri was uh, some time ago was with an injury and it was uh, hard for him to recover. Hmm. And, and now it appears to leave, to be leaving uh, Bayer Leverkusen. And it looks like he will be to the. Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah. Yes, they will. It will yeah, be, be a good move for him. But I mean, I find yes. it difficult to, to think that you can't call up a big. That Scaloni doesn't call up a big physical centre forward if he's got him to call on. Because, I mean, can you imagine Gabriel Batistuta, age 28, in this team? The Ooh. number of goals he would score. Yeah. He'd be scoring five every match. Never mm. mind five against Estonia. He'd just score five against Italy and probably set a couple up as well for somebody else. Um, I mean, and even so, I think Lautaro has proven to, to evolve a lot as well. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. his second goal against Italy, it saw him, you know. Um, Blocking, blocking, blocking the defense with his body, and then uh, getting the ball, going forward, uh, shrugging uh, Bonucci off, and then setting up the Maria with a beautiful ball. It was mm. like the complete package yes. you could ask for from a striker. So, yeah, no, that, that's true. It, it reminded me a bit of I remember seeing Gonzalo Higuain when he was young. Uh, yeah, he was really young when he was still at River, dropping off and almost playing as what we would today call a nine and a half. But at the time, I don't think that hadn't been invented. There was no such thing as an iron heart. But he, he did mean, drop deep and, and link the play and, and connect and start to create a lot more. Um, I remember him in particular because I think pretty much the first thing I ever wrote for somebody who wasn't me was a little pen portrait of Gonzalo Higuain when he was like 18 years old. <laughs> right before Real Madrid signed him, I think. Um, and yeah, just that kind of... Lautaro has... From the snatches we see in Argentina because I never watch Inter Milan, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's but he scored twenty goals. Added a mm. facet to his game, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, exactly. Shall we go on to listeners' questions? Go on, go ahead. Super. Toto got in, I think, just a few minutes after we finished recording last week. So I'll read his question out now. He says, "I remember Dan tweeting a while ago about oh, whether friendlies versus European sides are a necessity for South American teams to prove their worth and polish their tactics prior to the World Cup." Taking the latest match versus Italy into account, could you guys have a discussion on it? I, my immediate thought on reading this tweet is that I think that Dan's tweet was actually inspired by something we said on Hand the Pod a couple of weeks before that. Or oh, vice versa. I'll, I'll yeah. allow you to correct that, Dan. Uh, I, mean, it's I can't remember it. <laughs> but it sounds like something I'd say. I, I, I said something uh, definitely a few weeks prior to the Italy game about how Argentina hadn't sort of... Uh, and I said this about Brazil in the very, very impressive World Cup qualifying campaign they had as well. Was that for 2018? Well, they completely ran away with it. And everybody was like, yeah, Brazil are going to win the World Cup. They didn't play anybody from Europe mm. in that campaign. They're going to come unstuck against the first decent European side they play against in the World Cup. And they came unstuck against Belgium. Um, did they come unstuck or did they just... They got hit on the counter. Come up against but, Courtois, yeah. basically. As, uh, which... There we go. I remember you saying this uh, yeah. to me at the time. But, you know, they, they got they got beat. And, I mean, Argentina have now played a decent European side. Admittedly, again, one who aren't going to be at the World Cup. Mm. But still the reigning European champions. Um, and played them off the pitch. Yeah. And then you look at some of the other results around Europe, right? Which, of course, isn't representative of anything. Because I think for a lot of them it's the first really competitive game yeah. that they've had... Not even since November, because most of them were home and dry in the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. England losing against Hungary in front of a bunch of racist schoolchildren. I mean, <laughs> it's everyone's dream, like an Argentine's dream, I think, to watch that. Just 
loads of kids berating England from the stands. Yeah. While they lose Regardless out. of the reason. Now, you know, play Brazil, right? It's not, of course, European. In but in September. Yeah, yeah yes. for now. For but now, let's see whether, whether that's still the case in September. Yeah. But, yeah. but you look at the other results, like France, one point from two games out of this little mini round. Spain, uh, five points from three. You know, dropping points against Czech Republic. Uh, yeah, they're n- none of them are as Germany only two points, yeah. Italy, England hmm. one point. I think the conclusion we can draw from this is that it probably means absolutely fuck all. Yes. Because the World Cup's a World Cup and it all depends on who and also gets the ribbon lo- in the first games the, and just carries on going. So And also for, for like the biggest or the most uh, you know stacked national teams in the world, this nation's league means nothing to them. Maybe it will mean a lot more for, you know, smaller nations like Hungary for example but I mean as expressed by someone like Kevin De Bruyne or Bishop Van Dijk the Nations League is just an afterthought after you know I, I having a are, really long 50 mm. game um, league season I think there are and, two and they still have to play these extra games which for them are a nuisance so, that, so. That's, that's talking about the current window right and right. obviously the current window is international window I mean it is ridiculously long yeah. for the Europeans because they've got to get a bunch of matches I'm assuming because they're not going to have the benefit of the stuff in October and November and December because of the World Cup so they yeah. need to get a bunch of matches out of the way now but I think that some of this is going to be what we've talked about many times on this podcast because of the fact that the AFA keep chopping and changing formats and coming up with new competitions all the time and therefore nobody ends up taking the league seriously mm-hmm. I think in maybe 10 or 20 years time People are going to see the Nations League as a more serious title to win than it is now. Because how many have there have been handed out so far? Have we had two? Two, yeah. One, yeah, one, one by Portugal years, and the second one won by uh, France. Um, I like it as a concept. I, I, mean, I, also, I, I do like it. You're I quite mean, right. The, the teams in the kind of middle running and then especially the bottom uh, of the standings in Europe are going to be getting regular competitive matches that they can actually hope to get a decent result in and qualify for competitions as well I mean yeah, now the really qualifies for the Euros and I'm really looking forward to the next edition when the South American side start taking part I even mean, though they should be allowed to play their home matches in South America of course um, I mean funnily enough it's uh, still I think be Europeans as a whole have not played in South America since 2018 mm. which is preposterous I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the whole concept because a lot gets talked about Oh, because Argentina and Brazil aren't playing Europe in that position. Let's look at look back at Argentina's fixtures over. Let's say the last two years they've played if you Uruguay. Average, average out the FIFA rankings. For yeah, they played yeah. Uruguay. Uruguay three times in competitive matches. They played. They will have played Brazil three times with an asterisk against the last one because yeah. it's going to be not. Well, they're still going to kill each other. Let's be honest. In- they played teams like Colombia, including a continental championship final. In Rio de Janeiro. Indeed. Exactly. Yeah. Compared to that, who have France, England, Germany played? They've played a whole load of shit in the qualifiers, and they'll have two matches against each other. Hmm. Um, now in the Nations League, the first round of which they've barely taken seriously because they're all knackered. So who's got the better experience, really, going I mean, into this championship? The thing is, the thing is going I mean, into this World Cup. Yeah. I think it's very... You know, Eurocentric just say, oh, they haven't played European teams. They've had a lot more yeah, competitive. I mean, I mean, on the one hand, that's the case. But on the other, the whole, the, reason why, the whole reason why the Nations League was, you know, created. Yeah. Because England were fucking about exactly. in these meaningless qualifiers that they just rolled over. And then fucking about in meaningless friendlies. Exactly. And now they, I know 
those even those games against you know real opposition are still considered meaningless by the players. Yeah. So you 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 can never win no. for them. So. Indeed. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's a bit overblown. Um, this whole debate, but it's always fun to see. I mean, the Argentina thing is, no, no, but I mean, even the other on, thing is uh, when, European team. when you talk about the South American side, especially because you know the only other continent that's realistically got a hope of producing a World Cup winning nation, um, not having played against the top European sides, it's because there is, for reasons that we have discussed at length before every World Cup that we have covered, and every international break almost that we've covered on this podcast since we started it's overwhelmingly more likely that a European team is going to end up winning the World Cup than that a South American team, by which I mean either Argentina or Brazil, is going to end up winning. I mean, just by sheer weight and numbers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but also because of the way that the global football economy works now. Yeah. And also because, I mean, even if, uh, you know, you, you might consider Eurocentric uh, to the arguments that uh, you want to face, you know, better with the mental commas, Opposition when you face Europeans, I would say I would change the word better for different. Yes, you know, because I mean, the reason yes. the reason why you know Argentine fans are also you know screaming for some kind of different opposition is the fact that we both we've been playing only South American teams. And I think from a refereeing years. side as well, because it's one thing to play exactly in Comunidad where um, you get blown up for almost any foul, but no any physical contact, but. Occasionally, you'll get the most horrific challenges going through. Whereas in Europe, it's very much like physical body-to-body contact is com- I mean, um, permitted, and then for fouls, you know, you. I mean, it all depends on what kind of referees. Sometimes not going to get away. It, with it all depends on what kind of referees you get. I mean, if you get yeah. an English referee, it will most likely be, you know, barely any cards. But yeah. if you get a Spanish referee, you're going to get loads of them. Yeah. So. And and the other thing is that you know. We, we were talking a few minutes ago about oh, if Messi was if Argentina were playing in the European World Cup qualifiers how many goals would Messi have mm. but also the flip side of that is if one any of the top European sides had had to play in South American World Cup qualifiers mm. I'd quite enjoy that oh seeing, yeah seeing, one, <laughs> yeah. seeing I don't know, Germany or, or France or Spain parachuted in for just, just for four years just for one World Cup cycle into the Commonwealth World Cup qualifiers It'd be a shock to the system. They'd oh, be, yeah. I think they'd still get through and they'd get through. Kylian Mbappé would. would be left absolutely ridiculed by his statements. Perhaps he plays for, in Venezuela and there is not hot, hot water right now. <laughs> oh, he's uh, waking yeah. up at, at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning by fireworks from the opposing fans. Yeah. Uh, Darren Paul asks, why can't Racing finish? Is this worse than the Boca Unidos loss? Does this mean we'll win the league? Could Crucero de Norte win promotion currently fourth in February? <coughs> Apologies for the barrage of questions. I'm actually feeling energised and enthused, etc. Even after last night's defeat. Uh, Dan, I'm going to throw those all over to you. <laughs> I haven't felt energised and enthused for years, so uh, that's because you've got a very. Small I found time. it very hard to um, to empathise. I was saying to Santi actually just before we started recording this. This isn't anything new for Racing. We tend to just do terribly in the Copa Argentina. I think in its is this the tenth edition. And that's the tenth year it's been around. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it started in very weird. It started in eleven twelve. So, so yeah, yes. Thirteenth overall. They lost from Sarmiento Resistencia two years ago or, or last year. So yes. Uh, the best <laughs> racing I've done. They got to the final in the inaugural 
edition. I remember that because I went to the final yes. in San Juan. I was going to say that. I, I thought you'd lost a final you know, at some point. We lost to Boca, yes. Golf. Uh, Santiago Silva got one of the goals, I remember. Mm. Huh. Um, and then in 2015, they got to the semi-finals and lost out to Rosario Central. Mm-hmm. That was the year of the scandalous final between oh, Central oh, yeah. and, uh, and Boca. Yeah. Um, right. With Cadet in charge of Central and Dario Herrera doing Herrera things basically as referee. Sebastios, I think it was. Diego Sebastios. That's the one. Yeah. Sebastios, Herrera, yeah. they were the same shit. Um, so, yeah, apart from that, the Copa Argentina has basically just been an excuse for Racing to embarrass themselves against um, against low league opposition. Yeah, Proof of that is that, that. Historically speaking, Racing have never passed up an opportunity to embarrass themselves. Well, careful. <coughs> I've got feelings. Um, to the extent which I can't even remember this particular game. <laughs> Darren's uh, <laughs> referring to, uh, I remember other. Upsets against Tristan Suarez. I think there was one against Estudiantes de Buenos Aires as well. Um, and possibly another one aside from Boconidos, which, is, as I say, is uh, completely new to me. Um, but I think one of them, one of these embarrassing defeats, did coincide with the year uh, in which Racing went out, like in the first round they played, and then went on to win the league. I don't know if that's what... So would that be 2014? Uh, 2014 or 2019, because right. we have won the league twice. Of course, yeah. In well, years. In, in the hand of pod, yes, you've won the league twice. Indeed, yes. Racing <laughs> have won the league more times than that in their history. But, yeah. I mean, does anything really matter before... <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Of the course, universe, football was invented when Hannah Pod started. Was born... Yeah. when I pressed record on the first ever episode of this uh, there we podcast. go yeah. ah so Boca Unidos Racing was just after the title win uh-huh. and so, I think a lot of the same things were being said about uh, Caldet back then oh he can't win finals he can't win you know uh, straight knockout games what's going on was that he just fucking won the league so it's a reverse like, schedule well, in that sense yeah um, and the same now like Racing topped the league in the Copas Liga Liga Profesional they're top packed up of the league now let's just chill let's give Gago a bit of the benefit of the doubt now we don't have to play any knockout matches for the rest of the year <laughs> let's just see what happens can Crucero del Norte win promotion I'm guessing that none of us have watched any Federal now no I wouldn't no. know you even when I start I, I don't, I, know, what I I don't know what response you were expecting from us there Darren I would add to they um, can. if they're fourth in the Federal at the moment then yeah they can I will add to Darren's question that there was a part I didn't address. Um, Racing need to convert their chances. Yes, they do. That is probably the biggest Achilles heel they've got at the moment. Um, they've brought in Emiliano Vecchio from Central to try and remedy that fact. Uh, and they're also apparently in fairly advanced talks with Maxi Romero, who has been at PSV for the last couple of years, mainly injured. Um, as far as I can tell, but he was at Venice, right? Yes, Trent, yes. Yeah. He was very good at Venice. Um, hopefully, oh, yeah. he could be very good at. I was trying to remember Russell. where I heard that. Yeah, he also. He I was came, a, I came confused with Maxi Gomez, the Uruguayan. Um, the two names sort of go to mush in my head. Uh, Liam Delaney, in spite of the fact that I actually remembered to tweet out for questions several hours before recording today, we've still only had two questions um, sent in 
since I tweeted. So uh, this is all the listeners' fault, basically. Yes, it, it's all your fault. Yeah. That this Try episode, harder. That this episode is only going to be... The one time Sam gets organised, you don't even give him questions. Liam Delaney says, Celtic have been strongly linked with Belles left-back Francisco Ortega. Thoughts on whether he'd be a good signing or not? The first thing to mention here is that uh, don't watch an awful lot of Celtic, so not really sure what the level of the Scottish League at the moment is like compared with the Argentine. Or what kind of players they need. And how he's going to fit into the Celtic team. Um, But with that in mind, gents, any thoughts on Francisco Ortega, whose friends I'm guessing call him Pancho? Decent, I think. He he used to play for the youth uh, under 20, under 17, that uh, national team. Yes, I think if if the, of course, uh, the Scottish League is not a, a... that demanding, perhaps I, he, I think he could fit because he he's a, a player that perhaps uh, after the uh, youth division, the youth national teams wasn't called up for the big national team, so mm. it's mm. really hard to tell. Yeah, but on the other hand, he will get a regular taste of European football every yes. every season. They will sure. play yeah. Europa League, I think, because well, they won the cha- they won the league, yes. so they will play the Champions League. Yeah, they'll get the Champions League. Ah, Champions, yeah. 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 I mean, my immediate. The only thought that I really have to offer is that if you want an introduction to European football, then signing for a club like Celtic is about as gentle as you're going to get because you're going to win 95% of your league matches, I would think. Again, yeah. I haven't paid much attention to the Scottish. The thing is, the Scottish people love Argentine, so he's going to feel really at home. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's yes. true. And you're going to get a fairly regular amount of, at least for the first half of each season, you're going to get a regular <laughs> amount of exposure And to he will be out of the radar, I, I think, because there will be a few people watching, oh, let's see how uh, Francisco Ortega is playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? they don't get, you don't get a lot of, you know, Scottish Premier League uh, coverage here in Argentina. Um, would he be a good signing for Celtic or not? Yeah. I mean, he, he'd arguably be joining from a stronger league. If I can say that out loud without offending anybody. Um, more competitive, certainly. Uh, and he'd be joining the strongest team in the league. So, I mean, I, I can't see much of a downside from, from Celtic's point of view. He's a decent player. He's still yeah. really young, right? He's, what is he, about 2021? I've got to let one of you look that up. I was just remembering, um, speaking on... This subject, another famous, well, Ortega's not exactly famous, but a famous Argentine who did play in Scotland many moons ago in Canisha. Yeah. yeah. He played for Rangers. He did. So and I uh, completely forgotten that fact until this whole really? um, topic of conversation well, so, dropped so my memory. Did, uh, I had to confirm because I had it So it did for a very fleeting period of time uh, Federico Nieto as well. Not quite on the <laughs> level, I don't think, yeah. but... There haven't been many. Well, Claudio Reina, who was Reina. The, uh, part Argentine at least. Yeah, he's US is dad's he's the son of Argentines. Oh, no, no, yes. That's why uh, that's why Giovanni Reina had a chance of playing for Argentina. Yeah, I didn't haven't picked that up. Uh, Francisco Ortega is twenty three, so he's a couple of years older than I thought he was. But yeah, I mean, he should be decent. Yeah, it's a decent window for him. Yeah, because yeah, he'll get. Still for air if he does well. The one thing I'd be nervous <laughs> or even if about, he doesn't, man. The one thing I'd be nervous about from Celtic's point of view is whether he follows the traditional established several decades ago Meles pattern of young players who look 
really, really good and like the next bright mm. young thing of Argentine football while they're playing for Belles and then go to another club and look like they've never seen a football before. And then by the age of 28, end up captaining in the Benyon. Yeah, and then go Jesus. back to Belles and look amazing. <laughs> Jesus. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it was painfully accurate. That's the, that's the thing. You know. <laughs> Sorry. It Tim. was painfully accurate. So I like Romero to he, be he will be the proud, nothing against Romero. He will be like the proud of Santa Rosa de Calcines. That is for sure because he's mm. from a... a Tiny uh, town of, of Santa Santa Fe, so it's good. indeed. Um, anyway, that's all the listeners' questions that we've had. So now let's move on to Mystic Sam. Are you going to venture a prediction for the last three minutes of? Yes. Newell San Lorenzo? I think the Newells versus San Lorenzo, which for some reason seems to have stopped at the moment when everybody holds their mobile phone um, Maybe torches uh, up and sings yeah. about things. 40 uh, second minute, is that go. significant for something? Still goalless. I, I don't remember uh, since Bar was in, uh, implemented in Argentina for the referee to go twice to the, to, to see plays in, in, the, in the monitor. Yes. Yeah, I've not been paying that much attention. He rescinded a red card for San Lorenzo and he gave a red card for Nils. Both, Both of which bad. seemed fair enough decisions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think this one's going to win nil-nil. So that's the first brave prediction. A scoreline as now, well. Just, just <laughs> well, wait for the last few minutes of this <laughs> podcast when you will hear that one of them scores. Uh, Gimnasia played Patronato on uh, Friday evening. And I think that one's going to be a Gimnasia win. Lanús versus Defensa. Ooh, that's a tasty one. Lanús against Defensa y Justicia. I'll go for a Lanús win. We said that last week about Defensa y Justicia River, in it? It was a complete damn squib. Yeah, that's true. But still. I don't, I'm an optimist. Uh, it's been so oh, for okay. a power cut. Floodlights yes. have gone out. Right. Which is why everyone was holding up the lights. So exactly. this probably isn't going to finish while we're still recording, in fact. Then. Maybe, maybe while recording extra, who knows. Uh, Lanus versus Defensi Justicia, what did I say? Lanus win. Yes. Uh, this is how much attention I paid to my predictions. I can't even remember 30 seconds after saying them. Aldo Civi versus Estudiantes. I'm going to go for an Estudiantes win there. Independiente, I think, will draw at home to Tacheres. Sorry, Santi. That's good. I mean, you're well, accurate, that's accurate. Night. Why are there so many matches on Friday evening? I think uh, there is... Because then there is a middle... Yeah, but also the reason... Ah, right. I okay. mean, the reason probably behind the being the playing on Friday is that they want as little people to go to the stream as possible. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> no, but, I mean, it's not a crazy... Not, it's not like a conspiracy or anything. It's because, I mean, how fucked up things are in the... <laughs> no, but in the institutional space. If Independiente Tacheres is... Uh, it's a decent writing game. Yeah. Um, Huracan versus Central. Being played at the same time as Independiente Tacheres. Geographically speaking, it can't be very often in the Argentine top oh. flight that you get two matches being played at the same time that are that close together. Yeah. Even though they're different jurisdictions, obviously. Huracan uh, versus Central, I think, will be... A... I mean, that really could go either way. Let's go for Huracan to win. On Saturday, I think that Tigre will beat Barracas Central. I think that Arsenal will beat Banfield in Sarandí. Um, Argentinos to beat Sarmiento in Junín. And River to beat Atlético Tucumán in the Monumental. And on Sunday, we've got the Clásico Santa Fecino. 1pm. At lunchtime. Another Clásico. Yeah, you know that uh, this tournament has uh, the Clásico every weekend. Kind of... Uh, 
I think that's enough. That's why. Yeah, that's a pretty. Well, I mean, given that's... that they've drawn some classicals at random. Exactly. Well, at the same time, Nancy Estudiantes with no Argentina matches at 3 p.m. That is strange. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see, won't we? I've, no, I've got different terms here. Oh, sorry, you mean the same time yes. Nancy Estudiantes was last yes. week? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess having it earlier in the day allows people less time to go out drinking, doesn't it? Yeah. That, that's the theory every every week with when there's a big match in England anyway. They tend to happen at like 12.30 so that people don't have all afternoon to get pissed beforehand. I've got a feeling a lot of people just carry on from Saturday night though. Yeah. At Wembley was allowed no, to, yeah. to drink in the stadium but not outside, right? Uh, you, you, you were allowed to, you know, get a drink. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, at the... the, the the little uh, stands where you could get drinks, but you couldn't take your drink to, so to the stand the where, you're, yeah, sti- that's, where that's, you're sitting. That's right. the law in England. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Colón versus Union. Anyway, I'm going to go for Union to win that. Colón versus Union, you said? I said Colón versus Union, yeah. That's another classical. That's what I just said. Jesus Christ. That was a classical centre field. He's still jet lagged. <laughs> Godoy Cruz. Jesus Christ. Godoy Cruz versus Racing. I think that Racing will bounce back from their Copa Argentina defeat in Alan Partridge style and get the win there. Vélez versus Platense, I think, is going to be a win for. Oh, this is going to be Maro Sarate against his old club. Exactly. Oh. Spicy. Spicy. I'm going to go for a draw. 2 2 draw with Sarate scoring both goals for Platense <laughs> in stoppage time. That's specific. And if that comes true, then somebody will send me lots of money. Uh, and Central Cordoba versus Boca Juniors. It's going to be a Boca Juniors win. I mean, that's not even a prediction. It's and Michel going to You're going to do the mid- midweek round as well, as well Sam? Um, You're going to venture it? Oh, we could do it, couldn't we? Yes. Okay, sure. San Lorenzo versus Arsenal is going to be an Arsenal win. Tacheres versus Newells is going to be a Newells win. Patronato versus Alvaro Sibi is going to be an Alvaro Sibi win. I've just gone for three away wins to start there, haven't I? Defensa Justicia are going to beat Huracán in Florencio Varela. Estudiantes are going to beat Sarmiento in La Plata. Barracas Central. Another, sorry, but another two matches at the same time and with so uh, yeah. relatively close. Oh, yeah, the La Plata from Varela. Not as close as Oracan and Independiente, but same sort of rough area. Yeah. Uh, Barracas Central versus Union will be a draw. Atletico Tucumán versus Lanús will be a draw. Banfield versus Central Córdoba is a Banfield win. Colón versus River, I think, is a draw. Boca will again beat Tigre for the third time in, what, about a month and a half or something. Maybe even <laughs> less than that, maybe a month. Yeah. Um, in the Bombonera. Argent- and then the 16th, that must be next Thursday, so we'll probably be recording during some of these matches. Argentinos versus Independiente, I think will be an Argentinos win. Rosario Central versus Godoy Cruz is a Rosario Central win. Racing versus Vélez, I'll go for Racing to win that. And I think that Platense versus Gimnasia will be a draw. And breathe. <laughs> That's what's going to happen in the next two rounds of Argentine uh, Copa. No, not Copa. Stop saying that. Liga Profesional matches. And thank you now for listening to us again. And goodbye from English Town. Goodbye. Santi. See you around, guys. Andres. Goodbye. Thank you. And me. Thank you and goodbye.